All right. You want the uh, podium up or down? Where is she? Would you guys welcome young and powerful Andrea Wispin to the floor. Now, I want to encourage you guys as she's sharing. Andrea was gone for six months to Brazil and with, to Iris Ministry. And I have praised God that our young ones are fired up for Jesus in this house. And she is a fire starter. She is a woman who loves Jesus passionately. And she surrendered six months of her life to go to Brazil and to, to minister down there. And she's going to share a little bit about that journey, but also the journey of what God's done in her heart. And so I just, I'm excited about this. And I love you dearly. And I just want you guys, do you guys love this woman? Do you guys love this woman? Does the enemy ever tell you that they don't love you? Yes. Does the enemy ever, ever tell you that uh, they reject you? Yes. Does that spirit ever try to hit anybody else in this house? Yes. Yeah, yeah, but we're, we're declaring war against the spirit of rejection. You are loved and you are blessed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for Andrea. I thank you, God, for the work that you're doing in her heart. What an example she is, Lord, of sending and just releasing herself to go, to give up six months of her life that really changed her life. Father, I thank you that she is a woman that radically obeys you. And today, God, I just ask that you would bless her and anoint her to share. And God, let it be sweet. Let her have fun today sharing what you're doing. We bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, this will be good, I think. Okay, get all my fancy stuff. Okay, hi, guys. I'm back. Everybody speaks English. Hi. <laughs> all right, well, I'm so excited that the Lord started off with deliverance today because that was really on my heart. Um, New Covenant carries deliverance. I am a delivered one. That's why I'm so excited. That's why I'm so radical because today when we were singing, you know, I was dead and born again. I was dead. I was suicidal. And thank you, Jesus, for the foundation of my childhood and for praying people. And the lovely woman who prayed for me is here today. So God is so good, and he's so faithful, and he's so real, and he's so strong. And when you know that, you can't keep it to yourself. You know, we get so excited about things. You know, I got a new haircut, and you should tell everybody, oh, I got this new, and you tell everybody. When you're saved from death, you're going to tell somebody. And if you don't, then maybe you're asleep. So maybe today you need woken up. So I'll just stir you up a little bit. Um, I want to tell you about my journey. I want to tell you how it started, because it's not just about me. It's for you guys. I am New Covenant. I am born and bred here. So as I tell this story, sometimes I think when somebody does something exciting, it's like, oh, man, she got to do that I'm stuck here you know no yeah yeah you're here but God is here and I felt him so strongly when I came home and when we're here we just worship so strongly I was with Iris which is a huge missionary base that's all over the world they don't worship like we do 
I was one that was standing with my arms up. You know, it's not everywhere. And I think when we're used to it, we think, oh, yeah, that's everywhere. But it's not. So what you have, you carry each and every place you go. So I just really want to encourage you that as you listen to these stories, that you don't separate yourself from it. You just think, wait, how does that apply to me? What is my circle of influence? What did God say to me before? What is he saying to me now? Is that still me? You know, just really seek the Lord for your personal journey within this journey. And let's get excited together because God is coming back soon. So, all right, let's see. So, let's see where we want to start. So, as I prayed about this, um, the Lord was just really encouraging me to just um, have a conversation with you. So, I want to start with um, prophetic words because that is what really propelled me. A year ago this month, I got one of the most powerful prophetic words I'd ever gotten. And it was in a dry season. I had been a foster parent for two years, which is the hardest thing in the world. Um, I really don't know that there's much harder. Um, and God had called me to that, and I was obedient in it. And I didn't want to do it, but I did it. And um, so I'd been on that journey, and my foster son had went back before, and he was in my home again. So I was in the middle of a season of a lot of questions. And um, Bill Dickerson came, and um, he, uh, it was like a small group thing, and he gave me a word. And that word just... It really started things moving for me, and it gave me hope. And I also think that there are parts of these words that are for you. So as I read them, um, I want you to take what is for you and um, really go with that. So I'm going to turn on the little clicker. I am um, not going to read Isaiah 61 just yet. <laughs> okay. So it was September 24th of last year. So this is, I got all fancy. This is my first time doing a PowerPoint. And my sister is trained in ministry, and she has before has fallen away from the Lord. And she helped me yesterday, so that was really awesome. Okay, so here's my prophetic word from Bill. He says, My daughter, the Lord would say to you, You're wearing a coat of many colors like Joseph too." And the trials of life have sometimes got heavy for you. But know, my daughter, my promises are yes and amen for you. I've not forgotten you, nor have I forsaken you. I'm about to give you a whole new view like the TV behind you. I'm about to change the channel for you. But when I get through, my daughter, my bride, my beloved one, all things will become new. I will clarify, verify, and I would confirm you in what I'm about to do. I have remembered you. I have not abandoned you, nor have I forgotten you. This will be the year of the favor of the Lord upon you, and you'll dream like you've never dreamed, and you'll walk like you've never walked. You'll talk like you've never talked. There will be a Holy Ghost confidence in you. The lion heart of Judah is going to rise up inside of you, for there is a shield about you. And the things of the last couple years are about to change radical, for God says, I have heard you. Hallelujah. So he gave me that word, and it about knocked me off my feet. I was like, whoa, you know, that was okay. And I thought, 
because this is what I wanted. I thought, oh, hallelujah, I'm going to get my son. My son's going to live with me. God's heard me. My husband's coming. Oh, Jesus. You know, my husband's coming. I'm having my baby, right? No, but <laughs> it's still all true. But that wasn't the order that he had it in. But it really stirred me up, and it, it really, even though when things got hard, I was like, wait, God said. So that was September, and then in November, my son went home again, and it was hard Again, not as hard as the first time. But that Christmas, it was my sixth Christmas alone, and it was the first time I was not depressed. I was like, I'm almost there. I don't know why, but it's, I'm almost there. And um, so then January 4th, Bob Shrek comes. And we all love a word from Bob, and he's, he's awesome. And I honestly, I had so much hope in my heart that even when he came that day, I was just like, Lord, whoever needs a word from Bob, Give them a word, you know, just whatever they need. And um, then he came up to me and changed my life. So, okay, so here's the word from Bob. And by the way, I've never been all huge into prophetic words. But when they start happening in your life, you go back and go, wait, that just happened. Okay, so here's the prophetic word, January 4th. The spirit to write is thick in this room. And in this moment, you will write. And this will be spoken and sung in another language. I see dark eyes and dark skin. South America. I call you, come to South America. Come in Jesus' name. There is an anointing that will take you through Brazil, and God will send you to Peru. Let the Lord say in the name of Jesus, the call of God on this next moment is to take the breath out of the enemy that has tried to speak so gallantly against you. You're going to go, and you're going to have to say, I can't work. I got to go. And you say, how can I quit my job or stop this? You got to go. And my friends around me were, whoa, you know. And the hilarious thing was, I don't think Bob knows that for money I do hair. I don't think he knows that. But the person right before I got my word, he's like, man, you've got good hair. Gives me a word. Right after that, the next person, man, you've got good hair. And, and I'm cracking up because she's like, she does my hair. You just told her to quit her job. I'm not going <laughs> to. How much longer am I going to have good hair, you know? And so, um, but I, I sat down, and because when they started giving the word, my friend beside me, she's like, oh, Africa, we've been praying Africa, you know, dark eyes, dark skin, and then he switched to South America, and then my ears perked up, because I'm like, okay, that must be the Lord, because it was different than what I had been expecting, but the crazier thing was, the night before, a Saturday night, I had just gotten into bed, and I had the thought, God, when are we going on another trip? Because I'd have been on mom mode for the last four months, so I was not thinking about missions. Because I, I was a single mom with a crazy busy schedule at work. So I thought that. Well, on my nightstand is a book about missions that I had put down because it was like reading, or it was like smelling a cake you can't eat. Like, I can't eat that, so why would I read that? But it was about Brazil. And a friend, um, the best friend that I met when I went to Mexico the year before, is Brazilian. So when I sat down, I was like, Brazil, whoa. I'd never even thought about really going to Brazil. And so um, I actually wrote down a timeline that I found as I was doing my research for this word. And it's pretty crazy. If I did not know that God was on it, you would think I was foolish. But I had been waiting for seven years seven years of obedience and faithfulness. So then when he said, go, I went. So yes, get out your prophetic words, but don't make it happen in your own strength because it won't. 
But if it's him, it will happen. So just be encouraged. So this all comes together within about a week. So that was January 4th. So I got the word and then the book and my friend. So I call my Brazilian friend when I get home. I tell her the word. We both get goosebumps from head to toe. And um, she prays for me. And um, I start reading the book. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to go here. I email those people. You know, I'm like, here's where I'm supposed to go. Well, I start reading through my journals. And one of the things that stood out to me was, you, it's Isaiah 30, 21. And it says, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And so I knew in my heart that the Lord was going to show me. Because it was scary. It was such a huge word. And also, I want to just backtrack just a little bit, that when I got back from Mexico the summer before, I'd wanted to quit my job and go right then. And I had tried to start planning it. Well, should I quit my job? Should I start doing booth rent? I'll have more freedom. Should I try to make this happen? And I love Jesus Calling, the devotional. It's simple. It's little. It speaks to me. So I read it one day, and it said, if I have not spoken to you, do not move. And the Holy Spirit was on it so strong, and I was like, oh, yes, sir. Okay, not moving. And so I stopped. You know, the person I was talking to, I was like, whoa, whoa, nope, not doing that. I'm supposed to stay exactly where I'm at. And so I obeyed. Okay, so Sunday, get the word, call my friend, read the book, on fire. Tuesday, I call another friend from my Mexico trip. And she lives in Kentucky. And we start praying. Because I started to tell my friends here, they're excited, but I need to talk to other missionaries. I need to talk to other people that had this in their heart. So I tell her about it. She gets goosebumps from head to toe. And she tells me, she went to um, Africa with Iris when we got back from Mexico. She said, did you know they have an Iris base in Brazil? I was like, no, I did not. And so I look it up, and they have an Iris base there in Fortaleza, Brazil, that had a mission school starting in March. Well, the mission school's three months long. So what happens for three months? You have to stop working. <laughs> you can't just take a two-week vacation, you know, or whatever. So I, oh, and as she's praying for me, she says, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I get online, start applying immediately. You know, I'm just on fire, just applying immediately. So the next day is Wednesday. I had to write a 550-word essay on myself, and I began writing it right there at work. I just sat down. I didn't have an appointment that morning, and I just started writing it, and um, my boss comes up to me, and I didn't have the guts to tell him yet, because um, I love this man. I've worked for him for 10 years. Um, we've come through a lot. We used to really hate each other, and then when I got saved, like, the father's love came, and he's just, he's like a father to me, so I didn't want to hurt him. Or scare him because I was his biggest moneymaker. And um, so he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just writing. He said, you should write me a letter. And I'm like, I will write you a letter <laughs> very soon. <laughs> and so, um, so I start writing this um, testimony. And I receive an email from the school to, like, hurry up because I've got to get a visa, which is all over my head. A lot of us don't know about that. But a visa is basically Brazil saying you can come. Takes time. Takes a lot of money. So there we go. So by Thursday, I completed my 550-word testimony, which is a miracle. I had to do a three-minute video. All my references immediately replied. Every was, was awesome. So that was by 
Thursday. The next Wednesday, so it's been like 10 days since I got the word, I gave received my acceptance letter. So I'm going. And um, I call my friends. I call my mom. I'm so excited. So excited. Then Thursday, I'm terrified. I'm like, oh, my God. What about my clients? I mean, I love my job. I love my job. My identity was so deep in it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> love it, love it. What am I going to do? But I knew that that was my flesh, so I was like, all right, I'm going to have to fast or else this isn't going to happen. I've been waiting for seven years. Here's my opportunity. I'm scared, you know, so I started fasting just like a day or two, nothing crazy. Okay, so that was a Wednesday. My boss is only in there on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, so I received that afterwards, so I didn't have to see him again for a few days. And I decide that following Tuesday, I'm going to tell him. So that morning, I'm just in my head, oh, my gosh, I'm going to tell my boss. i got to tell my boss. i got to tell my boss. I go to read Jesus Calling, and it says, as you approach this day, remember who is boss. Okay, <laughs> you're the boss, you are the boss. And it really took some pressure off because then it was like, wait, you're gonna make a way for me. And so I had written him a letter, but when I saw him, I just couldn't hand him this letter and just walk off, you know? I just looked at him and told him and we cried and he was scared, he was really scared, but I just really encouraged him. I'm like, if God called us to this, we're a Christian salon, if God called us to this, he's gonna provide. He's going to give you stylus to take my place. He's not going to ruin this place. We've been standing for him for too long. He's going to take care of us. He's like, okay. <laughs> and so, um, so there's that. So I began telling all my guests, and it was hard. It was warming out all day long to try to explain this, but I just, I just had to go. And so that word really, really set me out. So I also want to talk about the financial side. It is super expensive to go overseas. Um, it costs about $2,800 to go to school, cost around $1,300 for my flight, and also I have a mortgage and bills every month. While I was going for three months, well, can you have somebody move in for three months? It's mid-January now. I'm just trying to get everything together. I can't get anybody in there, it cleaned out. So I had a friend stay there for me while I was gone. I'm like, three months, this will be all right. So I needed money to go, money for my house, and I had like my like emergency fund, and that was it. But I also knew, God, you were really on that. You are still on it. You're going to have to provide. So it was kind of cool because it put me in a super needy place. You know, you walk with God for a while and you get really strong. And then sometimes he likes to just make you humble so you're a child again. And he has to provide or else it's him. So, yeah, so tons of money. Um, my visa, everything's going flawlessly. Like the Lord's all over it. I'm just sailing through life. And then I apply for my visa and they say, no. Brazil says, you can't come. And I'm like, oh, oh. And I'd felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to pay, pray about it, but I didn't. I just was so excited. I was like, oh, yeah, everything's happening. I'm good. And then I was like, oh, God, I didn't pray about that. So I prayed about it, but it cost me a lot more money. It cost me another $150 to get it all speedy and all that. But I did go. I did get my visa. So I left here in March in about this much snow, and um, arrived in Fortaleza, Brazil, which is northeast Brazil. 
Um, South America. Super hot all the time. <laughs> all the time. Morning, noon, night, 85 degrees, 90, which is fine, except for there's 100% humidity, and nobody has air conditioning. No one, except the bank. <laughs> so sometimes you go to the bank. Um, super hot. Like, I've never sweat so much in my life. You're like, my eyes sweat? My, I mean, it was terrible. Um, so, yeah, it's super hot. I, I fly into this airport. Everyone speaks Portuguese, which is totally different than Spanish, no matter what they tell you. They are racist down there, okay? So I'm a gringa. I'm a white girl. So that means that I have money, and they think I'm stupid. <laughs> that's, that's about it. Because one U.S. dollar goes 3.5, right? So if you have, if my mom sends me $100, that's 350 AIs, that's almost my rent. So 100 bucks pays rent down there, right? Whoa. You know, like our money goes super far. So they just, they see me with an iPhone, and they're like, oh, you're rich. I'm like, no, no, I have a job. They are like poor or rich. There's no in between. You ever ha either have everything or you have nothing. It's just no in between. So the middle, concept of the middle was totally, they couldn't even put it in their brains. So even within my mission school, there was racism for sure. Um, it was like, yeah, let's do ministry together, but I don't really want to hang out with you because I'm jealous of you because you have it easier there in America, and I've heard about that, you know, and you could just feel that. Um, so that was really hard because I'm a total people person, and in Mexico, it had been like everybody's besties. We're having a great time, and here it was like not that way, you know. So also, too, when you're in the will of God, sometimes it's super hard, and sometimes it's not fun. You know, um, I've struggled with eczema my whole life. My dad had psoriasis. My eczema got terrible, terrible. My eyes swelled up. I couldn't see. Um, my skin, I was miserable, you know, and I can't get to the pharmacy. I can't go by myself. I don't know where it is. I don't know what to say. I don't know what I need, you know. And so you're reliant on the Lord in a whole new way, and nothing natural was working. Nothing, nothing. It was terrible. I tried cutting out food. It was, it was awful. But, um, okay, so there's my, like, first part once I got there. Um, so I was in a mission school. So we're doing three months missions. We're learning about missions. We're worshiping. Um, we're people from all over the world. We're Australia, Germany, people there from Brazil. You know, we're there to just learn about missions. Tons of people had crazy stories like mine that got there, how the Lord provided. Um, it was just really neat to see. So... Let's see here. Okay, so here's Fortaleza. It is a um, huge city of sex trafficking. It's um, childhood prostitution is like number one there. I was looking up stats for you guys, and um, I was looking up how violent. When I was there, I heard it was the seventh most violent. And I've prayed about going somewhere else there later, and it was the number one most violent. Super violent. Um, I couldn't go out alone um, during the first three months at all. It was not safe. Um, there, it's because of the prostitution, it's because of the drugs, um, it's because I was white, um, there's a, there's like a really heavy misogynism, it's a very sensual culture, notice that as soon as you pull into the airport, um, just the, the way everyone is touching, um, so it's just a hostile environment for sure. 
but it's super gorgeous. It was the beach. I really did live at the beach. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, okay, so that's Fortaleza 2. You can see there, there's tons of graffiti. Um, it's all over everything. It's a huge city. Um, they have everything you could want. The first three months during the mission school, I was kind of like in a camp, and then the second three months, I was in an internship, so I lived in the city then. So there's some coconut trees. They're everywhere. They're not palm trees. They're different. They told me. So there is my mission school. That's all of us um, from, you know, you just see us all. Here we are, my friends. Um, and we did, we did get close. You know, it wasn't like it was totally, we didn't talk. You know, there was just a resistance um, to uh, deeper friendships. Okay. Let's see. So, mission school. We ate rice and beans every day. Two meals a day. <laughs> rice and beans. Beans and rice. Um, but their food's really good. Um, they love chocolate. They love, um, they're very communal. So, they share everything. And there was a girl, and it surprised me. We weren't really close, but she handed me her Sprite. Do you want some? Like, to drink from her? You know, like, it would be rude to not drink after her. It would be rude to not share. So they sell candy bars that are tiny or huge. Because either it's just for you, or you're going to share with your whole family, or everyone around you. You know, so all the time. So as I've come home, sometimes I'm like, hey, what do you got? Because if they have it, then that's mine. You know, so it's fun, you know? What do you got? I get some, you know? Um super, super sweet. They love to hug. They love to kiss. Kissing on the cheeks, very, very um, normal. Guys kiss each other on the cheeks. Um, two of my intern friends, it was hilarious. We got a video of them. One kissed the other on the cheek. This is traditional Brazil. One kissed the other on the cheek, and it was like a sweet moment. Oh, they're brothers. And then they turned to look at each other and almost really kiss. And then they're like, oh, you know? So it was that moment of like, this is okay. This is not okay. They're just very, very, lovey. Um, so uh, let's see. What else about the mission school? So it's um, ran by people who were under Heidi Baker that um, we learned about the poor. We worshiped every day. Um, so basically it was kind of like theology, but missions. Um, we went out every weekend um, either with the prostitutes or you went out with the slum. During the school, I chose the red light district and that's prostitutes, and then during the internship, I chose the slums. So when I say we went out to the prostitutes, we basically did treasure hunts, basically. So we would get together, everything started with prayer and worship. We would worship and pray for an hour or so, then we would go out. And um, people are just so hungry for the love of God. They're just so hungry. Um, and they know that they should be ashamed they're prostitutes. They're drug addicts. They know. But when you come with no judgment, you know, they can feel the difference. And they need a savior. They need hope. They know it, you know. And so they're really, they're beautiful. And the prostitutes, they were beautiful women that were mothers that could just make more money doing that. That's why they chose that. It's not because they're gross or they just like it or... No, like they, what else were they supposed to do, you know, if they didn't, you know, have the hope that we carry. So we did the school and now I'm going to go over to my personal journey a little bit. So, so far sounds super exciting. You know, God's coming and moving and all of this. 
Well, I learned a lot about the spiritual realm when I was there. When you go into other nations, there are different... someone sitting there and they were and so in that moment I took on the condemnation of it and I, when I really did leave my husband, the Lord really did lead me out. Um, I went back in obedience, and then there was adultery, and then later, and I stayed, and then the later the Lord told me to leave, and then it was time, and he covered me. But during that moment, I was so eager to be accepted. I was so eager to be, um, to fit, that I received that, and I, all I could do, I just looked at the Bible. I didn't have a really solid foundation of God as a father. I didn't know that. I would have told you that I did, but I didn't. I, so I just went to just the Bible. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. But I only looked at one verse, and I was like, oh, ah, well, okay. And I sunk so far in depression. It was ridiculous. I thought, well, I'm not allowed to get remarried. I must be stupid. I've been standing on that for seven years. And I've been out of the will of God. I'm, I don't, do I even know God? You know? And so I just, I just wore it, you know? And the leadership there is awesome. They're really excited about celibacy. And celibacy is awesome. But it is not what God had asked me for. But I was so wrapped up that I wanted that approval that I just fell into that. And so I start telling people, you know, I think that's what I'm supposed to do, you know. And, um, yeah, it was really tough. So I, that's how I finish up the mission school. Um, I think, okay, I'm supposed to be celibate, um, super depressed. Don't tell anybody here because I didn't have any conversation for six weeks at all because there's no Wi-Fi, no way to talk to my mom, talk to my friends here. There was literally no way. Besides an email like, hey, from someone else's computer, hey, mom, I'm alive, you know. Um, so there was not that safeguard um, in place. So we get done with the school, and before it was over, I felt like the Lord said, stay. I want you to quit your job. You need to quit your job. And I'm like, okay. So um, I have other friends there who quit their jobs, you know. So I'm like, okay, come with me. Let's do this. So I send my boss a letter. And within a couple days, his wife emails me back, and I was terrified. I didn't even, I turned my phone off. I'm like, I don't even want to see the email. He's going to be so mad at me, you know, like, all these guests are waiting for me to come back, and now I'm not coming back. And I turn on my phone one day during lunch, and his wife had messaged me, and she was so proud of me. You know, I'm so proud of your walk with the Lord and your obedience. I'm like, oh, geez, I love this place. You know, they're so supportive. And so they just blessed me in it. And um, so, yeah, so I quit my job. And then um, 
Yeah, so I was going to say for the internship. Internship is basically live in Fortaleza, see what we do, do what we do, pray and ask God what's next. And so I was accepted into the internship. Cool. Well, in between the internship, we had about 10 days off so they could, like, prepare the house for us. So there's going to be about 40 of us living in a house that used to hold about 20. So they needed to do a lot to be able to fit us all in there. So in that time, my friend April um, is from California, and she, um, she did not stay for the internship. And she asked me to go to the beach with her, her and a friend. And her grandma had sent her $500. Well, to us, okay, that's not that much money. Well, in Brazil, that's a lot of money. And so she's like, you know, hey, I want to take you to the beach. I'm like, I don't have any money, April. I'm staying, you know. She's like, I don't care. I want to take you with me. And I want to take Siani too. And so she took us. She said, buy some groceries. I said, okay. So we go to the beach. And I find out now that it is the fourth most beautiful beach in the world. And it was there that I encountered the love of God for real. And I was outside of that atmosphere that was that heavy, um, earning it, performing atmosphere. And um, we began, I talked to my friend from Brazil, I called her on the phone and I told her what I felt like God was saying. And I could just tell that that just did not sit right with her spirit. And I'm good at being strong, so I was willing to be strong and, like, be, a, be like, no, that's what God said, you know. But um, I could just sense in my spirit, I'm like, something's off. And um, so one day, April and I were praying in the coffee shop, and she just started to pray with me. Because she'd seen me just wrestle this back and forth. And she just looked at me, and she said, you've known the Lord for seven years, right? And I said, yeah. She said, he speaks to you, right? And I'm like, Yeah. She's like, and he's never said this to you before. I'm like, absolutely not. He's been telling me that there's someone coming, and that if I'm faithful, that, um, that I will have this family that I desire. And then the Lord just came to me, and he said, that was not my voice. That was not my voice that spoke to you and told you no. That was a spirit, and it was the spirit of Jezebel. And it just, and as soon as I looked at her and I said, it was the spirit of Jezebel, we got goosebumps from head to toe. And she'd never really experienced the presence like that. And uh, we were like, uh, yeah, I guess it was, you know. And so as we started to talk, we realized that it wasn't one person with that spirit. That spirit of Jezebel has tremendous authority over Brazil. Sensuality, witchcraft, it's a big deal there. And I remembered, too, that the Lord had given me dreams about a couple people that were very influential in my time there that were natives, locals there. The Lord showed me that they were in witchcraft. They don't know it. It's generational. It's not personal. But the Lord told me that to tell me, don't listen. Don't, that thing's going to manipulate you. Don't listen. And so as we started to talk, all I knew at that moment was that that was not his voice. And I... And she could see me just really starting to spin. And she said, don't worry about the scripture tonight. Don't worry about that one scripture that's been freaking you out. Just know that that was not his voice, and he'll, he'll go from there. And so why the beach is so important was that I'm in this beautiful place that I can't pay for and that I don't deserve. I'm not working. You know, I've worked really hard. I'm not working. I don't deserve it. And guess what that is? That's the gospel. 
you know? And so I couldn't deny that he was good. I couldn't deny that this is his nature, you know? It doesn't matter what I do. And so then, over the next couple of days, then I'm able to, like, look into Scripture, like, okay, when there's adultery, you know, I'm able to unwind all of those lies within those 10 days. And so as we leave um, on the bus, it's the trip is over, and I'm heading back into the internship, and I'm scared because I know that this revelation is going to be really resisted. And I know it more than anything that, it, that it's the truth, though. And so I thought I was going to have to come home and be strong to America. And it turns out I'm going to have to stand there and be strong on my own. And so I go to give her a hug before I go. And I said, thank you, freedom fighter. And it came out my mouth. And I just, I knew that that was part of what America carries. And we're used to it here. But that inboard knowing that, um, that we are made to be free we just know that. We just carry that. That is not everywhere. They don't know that everywhere. So that was just really interesting. And even as I was there, as different people would come from all over the world to see us, they all from America, everyone carried freedom. So that was really exciting. So I come back to the internship, and I live with 40 people. We have a kitchen like this big. <laughs> so I get up at 5.30 a.m. every morning just to fix breakfast by myself because otherwise I'm like standing over 20 really sweaty people, <laughs> you know, trying to fix some breakfast. So um, the internship was cool. We got up at 7 a.m. every morning, worshiped the Lord, and then um, throughout the week we would have different things. Once again, you either focused with the prostitution or you focused with the community. I chose the community this time because I'd had experience here, but I'm a really one-on-one -on -one person, so I really wanted a lot of steady one-on-one -on -one time. Really wanted to, like, disciple people. And so that's what I chose. So day in, day out, spend your morning worshiping and then... Um, we would, we had a prayer house in Oytown. So this is us worshiping in the morning. That's Lucas. He's so anointed. Okay, this is Oytown. This is the slum that we walked to. It's about 15 minutes from where we lived in the um, city. Um, I walked about two-thirds of the way there once with a girl, just me and her, and I, it was very dangerous, so we never did that again. And then, but in general, we had to have a guy with us because the time that was dangerous, we really did encounter someone that was demonically oppressed. I, you kind of see that here. You, you really do see that um, there. So this is our prayer house and with some graffiti on the side. This used to be a drug house. And um, one of our leaders, he's from England, he bought this house and we would go there and we would pray two and three times a week, just go there and pray for hours. And then we would come out and do discipleship, or we would just go home. It just depended on the day. So um, one of my favorite days is um, we had been up there praying, and me and my friend Allison, Allison is a guy, and um, he loves Jesus. And we um, had just been up there worshiping, and Isaiah 61 was so, so strong on my heart that morning. And I read it, and I'll read it to you guys now. And it is the year of the Lord's favor is the title, which is funny because that was what the word that Bill gave. So, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And it goes on. The whole chapter is amazing. So I read that, and I've read it before, but it was so strong. And it kept being strong. But I read that, and we come downstairs to leave, just to walk. And this is our um, library we have for the kids there. There's the kids, dark eyes, dark skin. And that's my friend Abby from England. She was my prayer partner. Um, man, we just prayed so much. And it's simple. Just turn on some worship music and pray for your family, and it's awesome. Okay, so we walked down this little alleyway here out of the prayer house, and um, we encounter Sue Ellie. And Sue Ellie is homeless. And uh, Allison, my friend, he'd been going there for a couple years, so he knows everybody. And so she says hi or whatever. Can I have some clothes? Do you guys have any clothes? And Allison says, no, but I have a Bible. So he hands her the Bible right in this moment. And um, she opens it, flips around a little bit, and points right to Isaiah 61. <laughs> and I'd just been reading it. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. And so in my heart, I knew, I'm like, oh, she's the one today. Like, she is the one. And he talked to her, and I don't understand anything. It's all in Portuguese. And he says, um, let's take her home with us. I want to I wanna feed her lunch. And I'm like, okay. And, um, and he does, we don't do that for everybody. So he has a real discernment of when it's time and when it's not time. And so we took her home, and she had not eaten in four days. And so she ate all of her lunch and the rest of mine. <laughs> and then I was just talking to her, and it was cool because I got to do some inner healing with her. It was neat because that was something that people don't know how to do there. You know, and so and he said that. He was like, hey, do some of that inner healing stuff, you know. And I was like, okay. And so I told her my story and did some inner healing and um, we said, what else can we do for you, Swelly? She said, we were sitting on the couches upstairs, um, and she just said, I just really want to sleep right here because it was comfortable, you know. It wasn't the ground, you know. And so he's like, hold on, i got to ask, you know, because there's 40 people that live there with electronics and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so he got permission for her to take a nap. So she took a nap, and um, it was amazing. And a couple months later, I was able to go see her at the rehab. And so um, Allison and I were ministry partners, and um, he was the one who brought the translation. He was the one who um, knew how to play guitar, you know, things like that. But I brought the consistency of how Sue Elliott's could check on her, you know, that real, um, I guess, nagging. <laughs> we got to keep doing that. And so he had left, and um, I said, we have to see Sueli. I have to see her before I go. And we went and saw her at the rehab, and I was able to tell my testimony there. And like 30 women, you know, stand up and get saved um, just from hearing the truth, just our deliverance. You know, and I think so many of us are delivered, and it's so simple. But when you're wherever he sends you, and you just tell your story, they're like, oh. <gasps> That's me, you know, and um, it's really powerful. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's my sweet Sueli. 
And all she wanted when we saw her at the rehab, do you need anything? She was like, I really want a Bible. I'm like, oh, God, we did not bring you a Bible. You know, just those things that we think are easy. It's not that easy there. So um, there's that. Okay, these are the drug dens. Um, this is on the way out of Oidtown. I did not know there were drug dens for two-thirds of my time there. Allison mentioned that one day when he was telling someone else a story. I'm like, that's where we were. Okay. So um, drug den means where they sell drugs. And um, we helped disciple a lady named Diani, and he had given her a prophetic word one day, and he said, I never really liked her before. <laughs> I just, you know, I thought she was prideful. He said, but I was walking one day, and the Lord gave me a word for her. And so he gave her the word, and she accepted Jesus, and she was on fire in the middle of the slum, middle of the, one of the most dangerous places on earth. She's just on fire. So he said to me, do you want to come up with a discipleship? And I'm like, absolutely. Because of what I just came out of, I'm like, okay, I want to teach her how to hear from God. I want to teach her about freedom. I want to teach her about the resurrection of Christ. You know, like, yes, I have some things I want to teach her about that she's not going to learn within the walls of religious Brazil. And so we went and saw her every Thursday. And sometimes she was asleep because it's super hot. And sometimes she was awake and ready with her Bible. It just depends. So one day she was asleep, and Allison said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, let's write down the scriptures that we're going to talk to her about and slip it under her door, and she'll read them this week, and then next week we can talk to her about it. And it's like, okay. So we sit down on the floor in the drug den to write this down, and a man walks in. And we had seen him in the alley moments before, and we noticed him because he was healthy. You don't see a lot of healthy people in the slum. So he, he looked like my cousin. He just looked like he'd eaten recently, you know? He just looked a little bit stocky. And um, he walks in to the drug den. And Allison looks at him and he just says hello. And the guy's just like really interested. I believe now that he was just drawn to the light. He just was drawn. He followed us like a couple blocks, you know, into this place. But he was not dangerous. And um, we just started to talk to him, and I started to tell him my story. And from the moment I started talking to him, I wept. I wept, and I wept, and I wept. And he told us that he had been in rehab the day before, and he had gotten out to go see his mom at the hospital. And he left his mom at the hospital, and he came here to do drugs. He had no shoes on. He was so ashamed, and he was so, like, at his pit. He's, like, basically he's just saying, like, I'm worthless. I'm a worthless son. This is who I am. You know, and I just cried and I just told him, I'm like, look, you can't stop doing drugs. You can't. You're not strong enough. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus, he's stronger than death. He beat death. So what he can do is he can come inside of you and he can raise you back to life and he can beat drugs. And I'm just crying some more. And it turns out he's got like a son he's helped raise who's two. I've got a son I've raised that's two, you know. And, you know, he's just blown away. He knows he's just been encountered by God and we know it. Diani comes out of her hammock. She wakes up. She comes outside and she looks and she goes, Espiritu Santo aquí. Holy Spirit is here. <laughs> and her arm is right. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and um, so once again, Allison's like, let's take him home. And so we took him home with us and um, gave him a Bible and some shoes and um, took him to rehab the next day, took him to his mom that night, and then took him to rehab the next day. And um, that night, 
I didn't stop crying. I would tell my friends there, and it was one of those things that, you know, here sometimes I tell my story, and I'm like, oh, man, somebody doesn't get it. But even there, in the middle of the house of missionaries, I would cry, and I'd be like, man, they don't get it. I don't get it. If we don't go, they're not going to know. And that's just, I could not get over it. I'm like, man, if, if we weren't there, then he wouldn't know. Bruno was going to die. Bruno was going to die. If we didn't tell him, he wouldn't know. And it was just one of those things that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. I can feel him, goosebumps, right? He's on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And that's what the Lord said, too, on the beach. He's like, it's good news. It's really good news. It's not bad news. Oh, Andrew, you got a divorce. Man. Pay a life of penance for me. It'll make me really happy to watch you suffer. It's terrible news, you know, but it's actually good news. He's like, hey, you messed up. I've got a brand new plan, you know, but to preach good news to the poor, what else does it say? More good stuff. Bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to come for all who mourn. And that just, it was so heavy on me. I just laid in bed, and that was just like, I just wept in that verse. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. And I knew in that moment, I knew no matter what, because I didn't have any plans yet for the future, I knew I'll go when you say go. I'll go when you say go, because if I don't go, they won't know. And if they don't know, then they'll die. And, you know, it just, it was just so apparent that the simplicity of what happened to me just change their lives. And I know that so many, each of us carry that. Each of us carry a part of God's heart. So there's just someone in your life, you know, that, that the Lord will bring. And there are people we walked by. We didn't stop for every single person. You know what I mean? But when the Holy Spirit brings them, that's what I would pray. But just, Lord God, let me just know when they're in front of me. Let me know which one is the one you want me to talk to. Because it can be overwhelming to try to tell everybody everything. So, okay. So that was the night that I made the decision in my heart that I would always go when he called me to go, um, no matter what. I also, too, want to talk about what it cost me personally. Um, it cost me a lot of money, but it cost me personally. It cost me clients, you know? Like, I lost clients. They stopped coming to the salon. They come to other people, you know? And that's okay because he's worthy. It is a sacrifice, and if it wasn't a sacrifice, then it wouldn't be as beautiful because he's more beautiful to me than my cosmetology career. He uses me there, but he's more beautiful than that, and he's worth that. And it's beautiful to be humbled in that way again because I'd been so busy for so long. It's nice to be humbled again because that's hard when you're in the Christian walk sometimes to stay humble, you know, and so that way it keeps me that way. Um, so, yeah, it will cost you. Um, and I also, too, want to talk about how you can help um, others. I cannot even explain how much this house helped me while I was there. I was fighting for my very walk through the last month. I emailed Shelly like crazy. I emailed Eric like crazy. I was trying to tread water because that spirit of Jezebel hated me because now I was walking in freedom you know, and it would come after me. It would straight up basically tell me, like, you don't believe the word of God. And I'm like, yes, I do. Good thing I had a dream about you. You know, like, it, it was so strong. And I knew once I get on that plane, I'm going to feel better. Not because they're not going to be wrong, because I'm going to be out of that atmosphere, you know. And uh, so I cannot tell you that the family here it helped save my life. 
Like I was, I was, I was treading water. I was terrified of losing it. And I called one of my friends, the one from Kentucky, and she prayed with me one day and I said, you know, I was telling her what was going on and she said, you know, I really think it's an unbalancing that's happening there. Because sometimes in the Church of America, we see the swing of hyper grace, like everything's okay, you know, there is no sin, you know, all that. Well, I was in this swing of like, let's all be martyred tomorrow, like, um, for real, um, let's fast every other day, like just this, whoa, this swing over here. And it was just an unbalance. And, um, and so she was praying for a balancing to come. And when she prayed for me, I felt the Lord so strongly. And she said, I really think there is a danger of what the Lord's been doing in you being ripped out. And so she sealed that all up. And it was crazy because within the next few weeks, it, there really was that danger because I came into more battle. So I just want to um, encourage that this is a really good house. It's a really good house. And rejection has tried to push me out more than once. And it's a spirit. It's not a person. It's a spirit, you know, because I don't feel that way at work. I don't feel rejected. My boss loves me, you know, and I don't feel that way at home. My mom loves me. But there is something with that is trying to kill this place that we're going to say no to, you know. And when pastor told me that the other day, I wept and wept and wept. And I'm like, yeah, it's been trying to kill me, you know. And so, but when I came home and I walked in the first Sunday, Kara goes, look at that. And there was this. There is the lion heart of Judah with freedom. And I knew that as Michelle had painted that, that she had been delivering me as she painted it. You know, I'm like, whoa. And that made me feel even more rooted here that like my, what's happening with me is happening here. You know, and it was just, it was so strong. It made me feel so close to you guys because when you're out there all alone and people don't trust you, you know, and all you're doing is following the Lord and you're in a mission, you think I'm safe. I'm with missionaries, charismatic missionaries, you know, but the devil does not want us to move forward. But we really did have breakthrough with the leadership there and, and we were able to talk about everything and God is really good. So I'm not angry. I'm just talking about the, to be aware when you're in other regions that there are other principalities. So if your mindset starts to change or something, really check and see if that's the Lord or if that's an influence from an exterior place. So to wrap it up, I just want to really encourage everyone here um, that what we carry is powerful in this city and it's powerful throughout the world. And I could feel as I even have come home, I this place is really ripe. Um, New Covenant's ripe. This whole region from here to Muncie is very ripe. Um, I can just, I can feel him very strongly, which is what you wonder when you come home from mission trip. Like, oh man, is it going to be the same? It's different, but he's, he's absolutely here. And he's um, really, I'm really excited. And I really think that we are an army of those who carry the lion heart of Judah. Because the way we worship, like I said earlier, we're used to it. But that is the heart of Judah, for sure. And that is not everywhere. And my friends there would be like, whoa, I love it when you worship. You know what I mean? Because that's a deliverance. There's a real strength in that because we know that he's God. You know? It's not just like because we want to be good people. You know? It's like, no, he delivered me. So, um, yeah, and to encourage you to get out your prophecies and relate. And then also, too, to pray about, God, what do you want us to do for the poor here in Newcastle? We all know they're there, you know, but really to start praying, God, what do you want us to do? You know, what is it? Because like last night we did a treasure hunt 
It was awesome. So ripe. Everyone we encountered was ripe, you know? I mean, yeah, there's some bumps in the road, but in general, each team encountered people that were really ripe. And in America, that's pretty huge. Um, because in Brazil, they all believe about God. They all believe in God. But in America, they, they don't. So it's really ripe here. And just to encourage you that the whole, like, the war room movie, that's so real right now. The intercession, there's things that are happening when we pray that, you know, things happened at home that I was praying for there that I've been praying for for years. So there really is a favor on this year, I believe, and that the Lord is really moving. So as I wrap it up, I just want to say I love you guys. I thank you so much for your support. Um, and just want to encourage you, if God's calling you to something crazy, he will provide every step of the way. I've had two more financial miracles when I came home, um, and it's been beautiful. And if you want um, prayer, if you feel like you're called to missions and you don't know what to do, I would love to pray for you, and I would love to invite him and her husband to pray too with us <laughs> if they want. Um, and also just, um, yeah, just really seek the Lord. So love you guys. Awesome. Thank you, Andrea. We are going to have a time of prayer, and Andrea is going to pray for people if you want prayer. Um, but continue to pray for her on the journey that she's on, and we're all called to missions. Amen? We have a mission field where you work. We have a mission field in our city, and we have a mission field in the school, and people are desperate for Jesus. Do you guys realize that? And so, just like she mentioned, The War Room, uh, my wife and I went and seen that this weekend. Encourage you to go see that movie. Uh, it is, uh, people are desperately needing us, uh, the body of Christ, to rise up. Amen. So, uh, let's close for, with a word of prayer, and then we'll release you if you want to come up here and have her pray for you. Uh, this issue of missions is huge, and I believe God's wanting to call all of us in a greater measure. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for Andrea. I thank you, God, for how you made provision for her all the way. I thank you for those that were saved through her. I thank you, God, that you used her in a powerful way. And today, God, may we see that your heart is truly about missions. It's really about the orphan and the widow and those who are in distress. Isaiah 61, God, let it come alive that you have anointed us at New Covenant Worship Center to bring freedom to the captives. So, Father, I pray, awaken us. Stir our hearts to see the mission field in our lives. Father, we want to take back the mountains of entertainment, of business, of education, of home and family, God. We want to be a light to the people that we come in contact. So, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts. Convict us and challenge us, Lord, to follow you, to radically abandon our ways so that your way might be made. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Go and be blessed. If you want prayer, feel free to come up here, and uh, we'll pray with you. But have a blessed day in Jesus' name. Amen.